Hi there, and welcome to your health toolkit. My name is Dr. Lauren Young, and I'm so excited to introduce this podcast to you. I'm a naturopathic physician, and I work with a team of physicians that have practices across Connecticut. I've been practicing for 15 years, and my patients really run the gamut in terms of their health goals. We see people from wellness to a sudden onset of a condition that they're really concerned about, from Parkinson's to autoimmune and oncology. And the one thing I would say that all our patients have in common is they really want to be in charge of their health and they want to understand their bodies. More than anything, my team is really passionate about educating our patients in integrative medicine, and we really want to share our knowledge, tools, and experience here with you on the show. Today, we're going to dive into all things gut health. Your GI tract is one of the most important organs in your body. You have as many neurons there as you do in your brain. A better part of your immune system is wrapped around it, and it is the most intimate way to interact with your environment because you're literally taking an apple and making it part of yourself. So I'm excited to have a couple of guests join us today, Dr. Megan Lester and Dr. Jalen Holland. Dr. Megan Lester is a naturopathic physician, and fun fact, she did D1 Javelin in, in college. Dr. Jalen Holland is a naturopathic physician as well in my practice and had a background in massage therapy and body work, which is incredibly helpful for our clinic. Thank you so much for joining us, gals. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So I know I was pontificating about GI tracts just now, but I think as we both are, we're all naturopaths here, we love GI tracts, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, let's just, when you hear the word GI tract, digestion, gut health, like what do you, what, like what is that for people? So it basically is starting from a, wherever you put it into your mouth, following all the way down to this long tube and whatever's exiting out. So the track is basically from the mouth to the anus and there's many accessory organs with it. The oral cavity, the pharynx, the esophagus, the stomach, the large intestines, and the small intestines are before the large intestines. The accessory organs are, include teeth, tongue, the glandular organs, like salivary glands, gallbladder, and pancreas. And a nice fun fact is the GI tract is actually about 30 feet long and ranging from 8 to 9 meters. That's very large in my opinion. So you have a lot of space to fill and that canal really brings everything down. So that's technically the gut. So essentially we're tubes. We are tubes. Okay. Um, and in those tubes, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, and to give you guys a little bit of a breakdown of what the importance of all those parts of the digestive tract are, really like as food is traveling through, we have certain processes like our um, stomach, for example, producing hydrochloric acid or HCL. And the purpose of that is to help break things down like protein into smaller parts, but it also helps to neutralize toxins. So as Dr. Young was talking about, you know, we've got a lot of bacteria in us and on us, which we'll dive a little bit deeper into. Uh, but if we're exposed to some bacteria that maybe shouldn't be there, HCL serves to help protect us from some of that. And further down the tube, we have um, pancreatic enzymes, we have bile, basically all of which to help break the food down, allow us to use those parts, use those nutrients to absorb them, and then eventually eliminate toxins through stool. And you know what, we can dive into it now a little bit. 
uh, that system and those things in play are cued into our how we're eating and how we're present with our food, right? Like uh, I was so surprised when med school when I learned like the pH in our GI tract is like one. It's super acidic in there. Um, and that takes a lot of work, but you also like have to make sure your body knows it's supposed to be in eating mode, right? Absolutely. And I think that's a really key thing that is so important, which we are often out of touch with in our environment and in our society because we really are just such a go, go, go society. And um, even things like just eating on the go, when whether you're in the car, standing up, preparing for your family, and you're just picking up food, if you're eating in front of your computer or on your phone, in front of the TV, all of that really takes you out of the state of rest and digest known as the parasympathetic nervous system, which is super important to be able to digest appropriately. So for example, even just the thought of food can start the digestive process. Um, kind of an analogy and example of that is if you're thinking of your, you know, warm cookie that you want to bite into or a sour lemon that you're you're putting in your mouth, before you even see anything, smell anything, you might start salivating. And that's your salivary amylase that's already working to start digesting and breaking the food down. And then lower in the GI tract, you know, that's when your stomach is becoming more acidic to prepare for the food it's about to to hopefully encounter. Um, so you can imagine why it's so important to really just be present with eating, ideally digesting and um, chewing thoroughly because mechanically breaking food down in the mouth is really important also. Um, and ideally, you know, if you can take a couple deep breaths before you eat, if you can think about where the food came from, the texture of the food, the taste of the, th- the food, all that really sets the stage for proper digestion. One of my favorite things is to do like a mindful moment before meals with patients. So just taking a second and doing exactly what you just brought people through. It does a couple things. One, it like it's like hits the brakes a little bit on your day. And it also has you like realizing, am I going to how am I going to feel with this food and do it in a mindful way where there's no judgment, just like, you know, it could be a cheeseburger. It's going to taste delicious. Mm -hmm. We'll see how I feel later. But the idea is that like being present with that food really kicks in that parasympathetic response Mm -hmm. and is going to make your GI tract work so much better. And I know we're saying this in like very esoteric terms that doesn't feel like it's our everyday stuff, but, you know, it affects the motility. It affects so many different things. And then you wonder later on why you're having like bloating or feeling Mm -hmm. off or your stomach hurts or acid reflux. And it's because your GI tract didn't really have space to do the things it wanted to do, you know? Absolutely. And that includes uh, really where you're eating and how you're eating and being mindful of that. So if you have a computer screen in in front of you and you're trying to enjoy your meal, or your phone, and you're surfing the web, you're not really focused on the actual goal of eating. And that's really important with the um, bringing the gut health back into place. Yeah. Since we're talking structure and how important it is to like hold space for your structure of your GI tract to work, um, I feel appropriate to bring up like any other lifestyle things that help that structure and the motility work well. I know exercise is a big one for me with patients. Like if you're not walking and moving, you're not also, you know, getting things to move along that way. Other lifestyle things you like to help to support the structure of your GI tract? Massage. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually really important. Um, So a lot of the structures, uh, even getting massage or doing self-massage or um, dry brushing to help with the lymphatic system, you're really promoting the movement that you need in your body. And that movement is going to support the action of kickstarting that metabolism. And that's what you really want to aim for. 
a lot of it has to do with getting that um, motility support kind of going and that digestive. Because once you bring everything together, you're going to start to digest one thing and uh, fuel your body in another way and feel better on other ends. Absolutely. And on that same spectrum, I talk a lot to patients about abdominal massage that you can do at home. Super easy to do. can take just a couple minutes of your time. And I think this can really also help just support moving any gases through to that may be getting trapped that are either building up, contributing to bloating, gas pain, um, discomfort. And if that pressure is going up, some people do get more acid reflux. Or if it's getting trapped, contributing to bowel stagnation, where someone may be a little more constipated. Um, So to give you a little idea, about what you can do just kind of at home as a little tool also is when you're lying down, I typically say just before bed because it's easiest, with your knees bent so there's more slack in your abdomen, you start on the lower right side of your abdomen, kind of drawing a line between your belly button and the top of your right hip bone and you meet in the middle. That's the area we know as the ileocecal valve area, which is kind of the connection between the small and large intestine. And that can get a little bit stuck too. So if you do little clockwise circles and you work your way up the right side of your abdomen, until you're under your rib cage, cross towards the left, down the left side, and then kind of ending below your belly button. That's the relative direction of your colon. And a lot of things can kind of just get stuck in that spot. So doing a little bit of self-massage at night, possibly throwing a hot pack or heating pot on after two can just be helpful symptomatically to, to improve some gas and bloating as well. Great great description of how to give a self-massage. It it really makes a big difference. Um, uh, Even to add to that point, you could do a lot of point therapy, um, especially when it comes to feeling a spot where it needs to call attention to, or bringing back into a a new thing where it's a hiatal hernia um, coming into play, and you're feeling that structurally out of place, because our body does move, our organs do move, and anytime you take a deep breath, that that expands our our stomach, our that expands our intestines. So having that, it really is important, um, especially if they're having symptoms after eating and they're bloated and they're discomforting. They could do a lot of things, even heel drops, which is going to help promote the stomach lining going down and getting the food, especially if, if any kind of diaphragmatic impingement is being there. Yeah, we. It's fun that we're talking about digestion, and we haven't brought up food supplements, <laughs> even bacteria yet. So, I, we could do a whole podcast just on the structure of your GI tract. Um, so let's let's do um, pivot to talking about your microbiome because I think that's like a very trendy topic, and it's also a very important one. And man, the research that's coming out is amazing. So, what is the microbiome? Um, Dr. Lester, you want to dive into that one? Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite topics, by the way. (laughs) But really, the microbiome is the collection of microbes, microbes being bacteria, fungi, protozoa, or viruses in and on the human body. We are actually more microbe than we are human. Microbial cells outnumber human cells 10 to 1. We actually contain over 100 trillion microbes, and they're necessary for survival. Most of these are coexisting peacefully, so some people will get like the heebie-jeebies thinking about all the bacteria in us, but we require their coexistence with us. 
and super important for many physiological functions, including our immunity, of course, their role with digestion and assimilating nutrients like their production of vitamin K, for example, um, huge role with how they affect our mood. So you might be, f- be familiar with the gut-brain connection and kind of listening to your gut, which actually has more merit than a lot of people realize in trusting your gut. But the way the microbes can also affect your skin and dermatological health, There's a ton of research coming out about the microbiome and Alzheimer's disease and certain dementia-type presentations. So we can dive into that a little bit deeper if you want as well. So the majority of the the microbiome is in our large intestine, but we also, I don't think, pay enough attention to the oral microbiome. And so if there's an imbalance of microbes there, that can affect the way cognitive functions work as well. So for example, like if um, you have an overgrowth of bacteria in your oral cavity, it's more likely to possibly go up to the brain and create some more neuroinflammation. Um, and Also, if there's a dysbiosis and overgrowth of bacteria in the large intestine, that can contribute to more susceptibility to overgrowth in other places, like in the small intestine. That's where I start thinking about things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, small intestinal fungal overgrowth. But really, the big thing is, I think the microbiome is kind of the future of medicine because we really have so much we can do to actually individualize what we're doing based on what we find. And a lot of different tests, like stool testing, can actually tell us more specifically specifics about what an individual needs in front of us. I love everything you just said. It's so amazing how bacteria can impact us from neurological disorders to skin issues and everything in between. Uh, I really picture us like hotels and the little bacteria and everything else that's living inside of us are the uh, tenants and, and the guests at the hotel. And so it's there's a lot of different aspects to that, right? Our the quality of our hotel and then how well we take care of our hotel was how who we will attract to come into the hotel. And at the same time, um, if you get some bad tenants, man, it can wreak havoc on a hotel room. So I think this speaks to how important it is to have the interplay between bacteria and our bodies. We are um, going to take all these great thoughts and take a quick break, and we will be right back. Thank you again, Dr. Lester and Dr. Holland. If you're a fan of this show, you'll know we talk a lot about conventional and naturopathic medicine and how they can play a role in your overall health. We call this collaborative medicine, and through the work we do at Collaborative Natural Health Partners, we're able to give people the knowledge and tools they need to feel great every single day. If you're interested in learning more, head over to our website, ctnaturalhealth.com, where you'll find articles, courses, and a bunch of resources to take the guesswork out of your health. Don't wait for your next checkup. The doctor will see you now. Hi there. Welcome back to your health toolkit. We're talking about gut health with Dr. Megan Lester and Dr. Jalen Holland from Collaborative Natural Health Partners. So we've been just doing this beautiful helicopter view of the GI tract from bacteria to structures. And I'd like to dive into now really talking about risk factors of what can throw off your microbiome, what can throw off the motility and the structures in your GI tract and um, you know, what are the red flags for you guys when you're meeting with a patient and they mention some things, you're like, oh, we should really be looking at their GI tract. I think one of the big things I see a lot with digestion and the causes and contributing factors towards an ecosystem imbalance is 
Um, number one in my experience is stress and anxiety, which I know we often can't avoid, right? Like we can never predict when stressful things are going to come across in our lives, but really stress it can slow down that parasympathetic nervous system and put us into more of the fight and flight response or the sympathetic nervous system. So what that does is it can cause more of a stagnation. You know, we're not producing those enzymes as well. We're not moving gases and bacteria and stool through as well. So someone may become a little bit more constipated, for example, or be more prone to overgrowth if they're not moving the bacteria through as well. So that's a big one. And unfortunately, I do see a lot of trauma history with my functional GI patients, whether that's emotional trauma, whether that's unfortunately physical trauma, um, abuse, or car accidents, whiplash, um, concussions are another big one, or any traumatic brain injury. Actually, within six hours of having a traumatic brain injury, there is a decrease in your proteins, uh, your tight junction proteins. So that can contribute to more intestinal permeability, which can set the stage for ecosystem imbalances. Um, also, certain medication uses can contribute to more risk for GI issues, for example, like opiate use, um, frequent antibiotic use, if someone's had a lot of NSAID exposure like ibuprofen, which can affect the integrity of the gastrointestinal lining, contributing to more like leaky gut or ulcerative changes, even oral contraception um, can, and oral contraceptive pills can contribute to ecosystem imbalances and structural um, irregularities. But also if someone had been on PPI or antacid use long-term as well, that's another huge one I see a lot because like I was mentioning earlier, the stomach acid can help neutralize toxins. So if we're suppressing that chronically, it can set the stage as well. So in general, I would say women are often more likely to be affected by things like IBS, but really if someone's had the risk factors, it doesn't discriminate on age, gender, race, you name it. Dr. Lester, listening to everything you just said, like I think everyone has had some level of exposure to an insult to their microbiome and their GI tract. You know, uh, one study that I found that like sticks with me is that using antibiotics more than three times in your lifetime changes your microbiome like substantially. And most of us have had some level of antibiotic use in our day. So it seems like that is a big piece of it for everybody. What speaks to you, like what symptoms put us on our radar to look at GI health? Um, certainly, we have GI symptoms um, that, you know, if you're having any kind of issues with digestion, bloating, um, or feeling like you're not feeling good in your GI tract. But what other symptoms are red flags for you as a naturopath that make you want to look at um, GI health deeper? So, honestly, a lot of things that people don't typically pinpoint back to digestion, but is on my radar are things like changes in energy. So if someone's feeling more fatigued, if they're feeling more foggy-minded, like brain fog, um, if memory doesn't feel quite as sharp or concentration's not quite where it used to be. But honestly, even things like if someone has had eczema, psoriasis, dandruff, some of that also brings me back to what could be off in their ecosystem, um, their microbiome, and how they're absorbing their nutrients and processing their food. So whether that's someone sensitive to foods that they're eating continuously or whether that is, you know, that digestive permeability that we were alluding to or an overgrowth of certain bacteria or fungi. 
even certain other conditions are often correlated, which often people don't also associate with digestion. But I see a lot of fibromyalgia, restless leg syndrome, migraines, even some infertility can be tied back to what's going on in your digestive tract and your microbiome. Yeah. And basically on that point, you could even expand it even more where you're talking about the actual mechanism of being malabsorbed, um, your food not being absorbed into the body, leading to nutrition deficiencies, which is a big point that will bring into a systemic symptom where you're talking about the fatigue, the brain fog. So really looking at how the food is being processed and going from there could really judge our symptoms. That's a great example. So in conventional medicine, a lot of times they'll say, you know, if you're low in iron consistently and you're not having a reason why we know your iron's, you're losing um, blood, they will typically want to look at the GI tract and why there's some kind of malabsorption because you should be able to absorb your iron from your food. So that's a perfect example. Yeah, and just branching off that too, the top five deficiencies I tend to see with GI issues include vitamin B12, iron, like Dr. Young said, omega-3s, magnesium, and vitamin D. So any of those things that you've noticed to be low or symptoms of those deficiencies may also bring us back to thinking about what's going on in your gut. I love all of this because I think there's a lot of us that are taking supplements, we're taking our iron, we're B12, you're, you're stopping the gaps, but really the issue is your GI tract and healing that, you should be able to assimilate nutrients from your food as long as it's high quality and everything else. So when we think about tackling healing a GI tract, what are your first few things that you think of? Um, what are your go-tos? Well, my go-to is helping with inflammation because a lot of these things that we eat or our surroundings or our environment causes that inflammation in the gut, which then causes the leaky gut syndrome to happen where your gap junctions are separating and you're not really getting the proper digestion process happening. So the inflammation for me is one of the things I go to. Yeah, and I think a big thing too is using food as medicine because unfortunately, like as much as it's convenient to take a pill, you're never going to be able to out supplement or out medicate a bad diet and lifestyle. So I think if the we can set the foundation with whole real foods, limiting things in a bag, processed foods, sugar. I mean, of course, we can individualize what a specific person needs in front of us, and there's not a one size fits all diet. But I think in general, the fewer processed foods someone's eating, the better they're likely going to feel. Um, and same as we were talking earlier with stress management. Another big factor, too, is stress management, because if someone is in that state of fight and flight chronically, that's also going to make it a lot harder to digest appropriately. So incorporating things like yoga, meditation, deep breathing, all that's also going to just set the foundation for a healthy digestive tract. Getting proper sleep, movement, all of the basics are really important when it comes to digestion. And then, of course, we can individualize specific supplemental needs for the person in front of us as well, whether that's things to help support the way they digest their food, whether it's um, herbals to help kill off the overgrown bacteria or microbes and support the ecosystem that way, whether it's adding in beneficial probiotics based on the balances we're finding. There's so much and honestly, many tools in the toolbox, but it's really on a person to person basis. I do. I like this whole concept because I think it's totally true that you can't take a supplement to offset dietary choices that are not going to heal your GI tract. 
And um, at the same time, supplements are supposed to be just that. They're supposed to be adjunct to all the other lifestyle things that we're putting into place. I do know people are going to want to know about probiotics, so I feel like we should touch on them. And, and probiotics, there are a million different types, a million different strands. Everyone's got a patent one. Everyone's is a favorite. So if you guys want to touch on talking about probiotics briefly, um, my two cents around them is that, you know, sometimes you see them in the refrigerator. Sometimes you see them on the shelf. Sometimes you see them infused in everything now. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, most of them, um, you know, they're little uh, sea monkeys, right? They're little, little living bacteria. When they're in a capsule in a supplement, they're freeze-dried. So they need to be kept dry more than anything. And that's why sometimes they're in a refrigerator to keep that moisture level low. Otherwise, they um, are oftentimes, now they have technology with cool capsules that keep them nice and dry in there. But that's the biggest thing. It's actually not the coolness. It's the dryness, right? Um, And then otherwise, it's in fermented foods. And there are a lot of probiotics that are in our diet as well. But, um, you know, adding in new members to your hotel without knowing what's going on in your hotel could go one direction or another, right? I mean, it's hard to know what's good for the average person. Yeah, exactly. And that's where oftentimes I see someone in front of me and they may say, hey, I've done all the right things. I've taken my probiotics. I've done my fiber. I'm um, eating all these healthy foods, all the roughage, but I still just don't feel good or I even feel worse than I did But if I was eating poorly. And that's also a clue that tells me that there could be an ecosystem imbalance and oftentimes like an overgrowth of whether it's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth like SIBO or methanogen overgrowth, fungal overgrowth. So that's where it's really important to get personalized here because it's not a one-size-fits-all. And a probiotic that may be beneficial for one person may not be, may actually be um, harmful for someone else or aggravate their symptoms. It's just interesting how the gut microbiome works because those probiotics that we do have on the market, the lactobacillus, uh, um, acromancies, which is a new hot one that's coming out, uh, all of these are just things that help play into other members of the hotel. So, Um, A lot of the times you could influence one and it's going to go in its way where it's feeding others. And that's on your point, um, Dr. Lester, that really when somebody is doing all that they can, it might just be uh, an offset of their ecosystem. Stool testing is another big thing and to see where your microbiome is in play. Absolutely. And just getting a little bit more individualized, um, whether it is looking into overgrowth and first needing to kill off bacteria before we can actually add to the population. Another analogy I like to use is if um, someone has a beautiful garden, but there's all these weeds in it. Before we start adding miracle growth to everything, we we may need to pluck out those weeds. Um, And so it might not be the right time or place. And you could be doing the right thing, but it's only going to, it's going to help you down the line. But maybe right now it's just too much for your system. Um, But at the end of the day, really, you just need to trust your gut and work with a provider that is able to individualize your care. And another point on that is it it can heal. Your gut can heal itself. Our bodies are amazing. And it's going to take it that time. Um, Working with a provider is going to be really beneficial because we could help give you the tools that you need. And hopefully one day the idea is that your gut microbiome could work on its own nicely. Thank you so much for this discussion, Dr. Lester and Dr. Holland. Um, You know, it's something that I think we take for granted that we talk about poop every day with every person we see all day long. Um, And honestly, love getting into the nuances of GI tracts um, because they're so important. And 
every little aspect of it tells us something about the person's health. So um, I encourage everybody to talk to their doctor about their poop and not ignore those symptoms because they really are um, telling your body how you're coping with stress um, and how you're interacting with the world in a way that's really important. If you want more information about GI tracts, uh, there's a lot of our musings and resources for our patients on our website, which is ctnaturalhealth.com. Wishing you all the best in health, happiness, and longevity. 